0: This is 105.9 The Region, where parents talk and explore practical, proactive, and evidence-based solutions. This is Where Parents Talk with Leanne Castellino.
1: Thanks for joining us here on 105.9 The Region. This is Where Parents Talk. I'm your host, Leanne Castellino. Our goal here is to leave you with some food for thought on your journey as parents. We seek out parenting thought leaders to find out what the science says and to learn about their lived experience raising kids today. By the time he was in his early 20s, our guest today had essentially reached the pinnacle of his profession. He was playing in the NHL, had won an Olympic medal and a Stanley Cup, and throughout, this former goaltender was fighting his own private battle. These days, he's a colour commentator for the Vancouver Canucks, podcast host, speaker, and advocate for mental wellness. Corey Hirsch is also a father of three and a first-time author. His book, released in the fall of 2022, is called The Save of My Life, My Journey Out of the Dark. Corey Hirsch joins us today from Vancouver. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Oh, well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on your program. Um, It's just nice to be able to get the word out there on mental health and be able to have you give me a platform to be able to do it. So I appreciate it.
1: You've been so candid in terms of discussing your struggles with obsessive-compulsive disorder and anxiety during your NHL career at a time when this topic was not discussed. Here we are today, more than 20 years later, and your book has come out at a time when society's conversation around mental wellness has never been louder. So why did you want to write this book?
2: Well, I had written an article in the player's tribune back four or five years ago that hit really hard it it, it hit a lot hard had almost two million hits in under an hour uh uh online published article and it just really showed me that you know we're ready to talk about mental health the book i felt was necessary because it's I, i can i can educate through the book through the article um you know it's just a read it's about your story this is what happened but Writing a book, my goal is to educate people what happened with me, what missed with me, what we can do better, what the system can do better, what you can do for your kids, for your friends. I can't do that in, in just a quick article. In a book, I can do that. I can tell my story. I can show stories of what happened. I can make examples, I can do a lot of different things. It's just a lot more in depth uh, of what my story is. And hopefully someone out there reads it and go, you know what? You know, I struggled too, and I'm going to go get help.
1: Take us through that journey, Corey, if you could, a little bit. It was about a two-year process, as I understand it, writing this book. Could you describe for us your approach? You said you wanted to educate people, but what was your approach? Having to relive a lot of what you went through as you set out to write this book.
2: No, that's a great question. It um, I was okay until, so the book was written. You rewrite it. and You go through it a bunch of different times. You try and make it, um, you know, as descriptive as possible. try to make it the best read possible um and then sean conboy uh wrote my player's Tribune article uh came on board and he took the book to another level and i'll be honest after he got the book and was able he's such a talented writer um it's been really hard for me to read like and i haven't actually read it i've read bits and pieces of it i mean I, I know the story right i, I, was, I lived it but the way he was able to take it to that next level, so that people really knew what it was like, I I sat there and I'm like Sean, like were you sitting there beside me during all this, <laughs> like when it was happening when I was younger, because <laughs> it was so bizarre. He just such a talented writer that um, did such a great job that it, it was almost too real for me. Um, so it was hard. But um, you know, for other people though, it's it's not the book isn't about me though. the other book is about trying to help other people, really, and and show that, you know, what this is what OCD, this is what mental health is like. um, There's so many misconceptions out there about OCD and and mental health that, hey, this is my story. I lived it. Um, You know, and if someone else is living there, you could have a great life too.
1: What would you say you remember from the lowest period, the darkest moments during that time that you struggled as a young adult and as a successful professional athlete?
2: Yeah, you know it's funny um that you said you asked that because I was just talking to um the one of the ladies that handles my my PR from Canberra Communications and um I said to her yesterday, I, I said, I can vividly remember laying in my bed and saying, you know, if I ever get out of this, I'm gonna do everything I can to help people and to give them hope. Because back then it would have been ninety mid nineties probably. Um, there was no internet, no Google machine. You had to go to a bookstore to find help. And you had to um and I went to bookstores and I scoured bookstores and I scoured self-help sections. And there was nothing, absolutely nothing, that made me feel like I was going to become um, uh, you know, I was going to get better, that I wasn't doomed to a life of of mental issues and, and struggling. Uh so I promised myself that day that if I did get that, one day I would, you know, be able to do something that would let people know, hey. You're not doomed to a life of of a, a pris- being a prisoner in your own mind. It gets better. You can go on to live a fantastic life.
1: Corey, could you take us through how this journey of yours and your candor around this topic, your desire to educate and support others, how all of this has affected or impacted your role as a dad?
2: Oh, it's uh, it's impacted it quite a bit. I and and I, I'll be honest. One of my children, I won't say which one, but. When they were 15 years old, came to me and, and was like, Dad, I'm, I'm having some funky thoughts in my brain. I don't know what they are. I don't know why they are. Um, and this story is extremely important because we always talked about mental health in our home because of, of what I went through. And I'd let my kids know, you can come to me no matter what, you know, you, we'll, we'll figure it out. So that child, we took, um, we took that, that person to uh, a psychologist and uh, they were diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder as well, because some genetics at play too here. I have obsessed obsessive compulsive disorder and I made a suicide attempt because I was not educated on it. I was not taught about it. I knew nothing about it to the point where I felt there was no way out. My, My child will never get to that place. Why? Because we talked about it, because I educated them on it, and we got them help right away. That's how important it is to educate your children Uh, And how easy it is. And I I do have a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Why wasn't I taught? It's so easy to talk about. It's so easy to tell somebody. Why was it hidden from me? If I'd have known after when I got sick, just to go get help, get diagnosed, you know, do this, do that. I would have never ended up in a suicide attempt. Hence, my child, you know, different story. And we need to do that. We're, We're doing our children a disservice if we don't teach them about mental health.
1: This is Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region. I'm Leanne Castellino, and we are in conversation with Corey Hirsch, former NHL goaltender, current color commentator for the Vancouver Canucks, speaker, and mental health advocate. He's also a father of three. His first book is called The Save of My Life, My Journey Out of the Dark. Corey, there are going to be people who listen to this interview or watch this interview mothers and fathers families who are struggling with mental health challenges they may not know where to go for help as a starting point they might think of going to their family doctor or they might research using doctor google having lived it yourself having had the experience of your own child as you described what would you suggest makes the most amount of sense as a potential appropriate place to start if you are somebody you know in your family has a mental health condition that needs to be addressed?
2: No, these are excellent questions because this is exactly why, why I, I, I speak. Um, well, the first place is to be an open person for your children, for, for yourself, for your spouse, for whoever it is. Be someone that's going to be non-judgmental and, hey, you can talk to me about anything, we'll get you the help so that someone doesn't feel like, you know, shame or the embarrassment or the guilt that they can't talk to. You. So that's the first step. Second step is probably your family practitioner. Uh, a lot of people are scared to go because of, well, what if I'm going to say they've heard, seen it all, you cannot surprise them. And then from there, probably get a referral to a psychologist, whatever it is, uh, a psychiatrist, maybe some medication, uh, from there it's, it's, you know, it's no different than, and I, I try to explain it like this. It's no different than if you're running track and you tear your ACL. Well, who's the first person you go see when you go see your family doctor. Where do they, they send you to the, um, either the, you know, they, they send you to the, to the, the physiotherapist, right? So no different than, than mental health. You might end up on medication for your torn ACL. You might not, right? Same with mental health. You might end up on medication. You end up going, you do the therapy, you go out with your life, right? But we treat them as two separate entities. We treat them as, as they're separate. It's the same thing. It's the same process. And there's no need to be afraid to go and get help for mental health issues.
1: In the 1990s, when this struggle was part of your daily life, you were already a Stanley Cup winner, you had an Olympic silver medal around your neck, you were on an NHL team, you'd done a lot at a very young age while fighting through a secret. Looking back on it now, Corey, what would you say that you could have done differently to avoid going so far down that road all by yourself?
2: When I look back now, what I could have done differently was ask for help but back then during those times, you just didn't. And, and I don't, I don't think I could have done anything much different than, than what I did. Um, I just, cause I wasn't educated, you know, what you, what you can't, you can't do something about something that you don't know. So that's where the importance of education is. Um, looking back on all of that, I have to be, it's still hard for me, but I have to be proud of what I accomplished. I was, I mean, I had an extremely severe mental health issue and I made an NHL team. And when I talk now, I say, don't tell me I was weak. Don't tell me I am weak. I made the NHL with a, with an extreme severe mental health issue. Uh, Michael Phelps, 23 gold medals, suffers from depression, anxiety. He's weak all of a sudden. So we need to stop seeing people that uh, have mental health issues as weak because they are some of the strongest, most resilient, incredible people I know. And that's what I talk about. I mean, look at me, right? I've, i uh, and, and I'm not bragging or boasting or being arrogant. I, w- I want, to show people that you're not doomed to a life of failure. I've played in the NHL. I've played in the Olympics, uh, I'm an NHL broadcaster. I coached in the NHL. I have a podcast called blind setting with the player's Tribune. that's, you know, was nominated for a webby it's all these things. And I have a mental health issue. It will never go away, but don't tell me I'm week.
1: When you look back on it, what would you say helped you get through that?
2: Um, Resilience. And that's where people a lot of times ask me, well, did hockey do this to you? Like, is hockey the problem? Is it too much pressure? Hockey saved my life. Hockey taught me resilience. Hockey taught me that you just keep pushing forward uh, and you put one foot in front of the other and get to the next day and you keep going. And and it gave me friends and it gave me uh, so many life skills. And I'm not sure where I would have been without those life skills, that life skill of resilience. Um, yeah, there were some really dark days, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but just get to tomorrow. You know, Tomorrow's usually a better day. And, and from there, you'll figure it out. Um, you know, Just let's focus on today and getting to tomorrow. And that's kind of how I got through it.
1: Youth mental health uh, has been described by multiple organizations, individuals, experts, scientists as a global epidemic. When you hear from young people today in all the different things that you do, what strikes you most?
2: The fact that we still aren't educating them. We, we are, but we're not. The fact that it's not part of our, our school curriculum. The fact that we still have um, people, you know, not believing that there's mental health issues. I, I'll see people that, uh, you know, their child can barely get their head off their desk. They're struggling. They don't have any friends. And the parents are fighting over whether or not to medicate the child. Yeah, you know, your child has no quality of life, and there's that other side of it. there's a stigma on medication. We shouldn't shame people for being on medication. I'm on medication. I'd rather be here alive, for my children, and you know, and live a great life than not. And I didn't ask for OCD. I didn't ask for mental health issues. So why am I ashamed? Something in my brain doesn't function properly. What? What? How is that my fault? It's no different than someone you know that has a heart problem. Well, they got to get on some medication. I don't shame them for being you know, uh, on medication for their heart, but for someone's brain I mean, they their physical pieces of matter. They great. That's what it is. There isn't a person out there that doesn't, um, you know, ha- have an issue with their brain. There's great advances coming in plant medicine. Um, you know, there's outstanding, uh, you know, I don't push pharma, but if you need medication, you need medication and you should not be afraid to take it. Uh, and we shouldn't shame other people for, for taking it too.
1: More of our conversation with Corey Hirsch when Where Parents Talk continues after the break.
0: Want to learn more about the show? Email info at whereparentstalk.com. Stick around. Leanne Castellino and Where Parents Talk will be right back on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to Where Parents Talk, Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Here's Leanne Castellino.
1: Welcome back. This is Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region. I'm Leanne Castellino, and we are in conversation with Corey Hirsch, former NHL goaltender, current color commentator for the Vancouver Canucks, speaker, mental health advocate, father of three. His first book is called The Save of My Life. Corey, there are going to be people who listen to this interview or watch this interview who are struggling with mental health challenges in their families, mothers, fathers, who may not know where to go for help as a starting point. What do you suggest somebody who finds themselves in this position may want to consider uh, in terms of addressing mental health needs?
2: Yeah, the parents, and I i, I echo their their frustration in the sense that the wait times are too long. Right. They, and they, then they don't know where to go. So one that comes back to educating somebody um, as to where to go, you don't, if you have a, uh, let's say you blow out your knee, client sports, you don't go to the shoulder, the hard surgeon, get it fixed. Right. you go to the knee surgeon. It's the same thing with mental health. Your child's got OCD. Well go to the OCD specialist. Your child suffers from depression. Go see someone that does a, you know, is great in depression. Go see that, you know, go to this, Different specialized people for different things. It's no different. The wait times, though, are something that aren't our psychologists or psychiatrists' fault. It's not their fault. They're overwhelmed themselves. And, you know, they're trying to do their best. We need to educate our kids and say, hey, you know what? Maybe have a good path. Give them incentives to go become psychiatrists. Give them incentives to, to come go and be psychologists because we need more of that. Um, and the school system still isn't set up to you know, promote careers in psychology or psychiatry or social work. And um, that's what we need to do. We need to encourage our kids and give them incentives to go and become that so that maybe we can put a dent in on this.
1: As you learn more about this topic and all of the work that you're doing around it, the network that you've built that continues to grow through your work and your efforts, is there anything else that you think needs to be happening that is currently not happening? You talked about teaching about mental health in schools. You talked about addressing wait times. Is there anything else that should be happening when we're talking about addressing youth mental health challenges in particular?
2: The other is to teach, you know, teach our males and and even a lot of our females that it's okay to talk to your buddies, that it's okay to to have feelings, that it's okay to, um, you know, to go see and get psychiatry help, right? I can still fix a car. I can still play hockey. I can still do all these manly things. Um, and I, and I cry, right. Doesn't make me less of a man. Um, you know, and we need to teach our kids that that, that is something that, that it's okay. Right. And it's okay. And I, and I always say this, you know, we're always the masculine portion of it. Our, I think our kids are getting better, but I would say this and i say, if I had taken my life that day back then. You know, I was taught not to cry. I was like, would any of my teammates come into my funeral and say, oh, what a man. He sucked it up. You know, what a girl. He went out like, no, they all would have said the same thing. Why didn't he talk to me? I would have helped him. We would do anything to help him. So, you know, talk to somebody you trust if you need it. And we need to help our kids. We need to educate them. This is, uh, we're beyond, uh, you know, all this. And because there's a kid right there, just like me standing on the edge of a cliff right now, contemplating taking his or her life. And they need us. They need us. And I need your help. I need your help to to help them. Um, you know, every suicide we have, we've failed that child. You need to put a dent in those others.
1: Corey, I'm curious. Over the course of writing your book, The Save of My Life, what would you say that you learned about yourself?
2: Things were darker than I thought they were. <laughs> um, you know, no, I, I think I just, I, I learned more um, that, you know, it just, it solidifies that just because I have a mental health issue, I can still do anything. I can write a book. I can do this. I can do I, it. It solidifies for me and it teaches me that mental health does not have to hold you back. It does not mean you're doomed to a life of failure or being less than anybody else. And I think it just, you know, reiterated that for me. Now I have a book out, Right. Um, And the other side of it, too, is that there is a lot of kindness and compassion out there and empathy for mental health. And again, just like today, thank you for for having me because I I don't get to be able to educate and talk about my stuff if if people such as yourself don't uh, reach out and allow me to be on your show. So it, it goes twofold both ways.
1: We certainly appreciate you taking the time and being so open again about your story. I want to talk about your three children who are aged 24, 22, and 17. I think it's really striking that you shared that one of your children came to you when that child was struggling. What do you think made that particular child feel comfortable to come to you and let you know that this was happening? Because that is such a huge stumbling block in many families that sometimes they can never get over until it's too late.
2: Well, and that's, that's exactly it. Well, there's things you have to look out for. For one, as a parent, you know, teenagers don't lock themselves in the room for, for in their own room for three or four months and never come out. And we think that that's, oh, they're just teenagers. No, something's up, right? Like stiff, you know, something is going on. Yes. They spend a little more time in their room. Yes. They sleep a little bit more, but if they're not coming out ever, something's going on. Uh, you gotta watch the circle of friends they're hanging out with. Right. Kids will, they'll seek out like children. Uh, you know, how they're dressing, um, you know, the, the, put your phone down when you talk to your kids, you know, and I'm not saying I'm great at it. I, I got it. I, I need to put your phone down. They just want your attention and use the term. I always say this, when you talk to your kids, say, tell me, don't say, how are you doing? Say, tell me what's going on in math. Tell me what's happening with Joe. Tell me what's happening, uh, in this situation, you know, use the term, tell me because then they have to kind of give you more than a one word answer. If you say, how are you? They go, good, fine. And they go mosey on their way. If you say, tell me what you did today, then they have to tell you, right? They can't go, good, fine. So it's, it's all in your approach, how you talk to them. And just sit down and let them know like, hey, something's going on in your brain. I, I am not going to judge you. I'm going to get you the help you need. And we're going to go and, and we're going we're to fix whatever problems you have.
1: It's such an important point that you just made with respect to the language that's being used when talking to your children, especially about this topic. Corey, how would you go about describing your particular parenting style?
2: Yeah, but, ooh, that's a tough one. Hey, cause I'm going to have to lie a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Um, I have my own mental health issues, right? So my parenting style is that I have to let my, ch- my kids know that sometimes I still struggle. Um, it's not about them. I'm, I don't love them less or anything, but I, I have my own battle. So that's first and foremost. The second is, is that they can come to me with anything. Um, I, I've told them any, anything short of murder. I think we're good. You can come to me. So. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I'm an open door policy and, and a, an open book and, and I make mistakes. I make lots of mistakes as a parent, um, but the open and honest communication is the biggest thing. When I show vulnerability to my children, parents think that they, they can't ever show vulnerability to their children because what would they, no, you need to show that vulnerability. Your, your kids need to see you cry. They need to see you, um, struggle and get through it. Right. That's how they're going to learn because, um, you're an example for that and they need to see your vulnerability so that they can share theirs if they need to. Um, I think that's the greatest gift you can give your kids is to, to let them know that you're human too.
1: Well, and it's so interesting you bring up that point, because is that something that you prioritized as a dad early on? That is to say, having these healthy conversations with your children? Because the fact is, is so much of parenting is learning on the fly, right? So how did you decide to prioritize uh, having those those healthy conversations? And it has to start at a young age, presumably.
2: Oh, no question. And and, and don't, I am I god i i made so many mistakes and age age brings wisdom right it does so i've had to learn a lot of things and with with your kids and um you do learn on the fly you really do and I, did, I didn't do everything right there's lots of things i could go i wish i would have spent more time with them uh you know that that's my my biggest downfall is i didn't spend enough time with my children but when we did talk they were open and honest communication you know it was it wasn't anybody trying to hide anything. I think secrets are toxic. I think secrets cause mental health issues. Um, you know, and here's the other thing that I talk about, and it's not so much about your children, but I, I, I'll, I'll say this, and it's about your spouse. Um, I'm, I, I'm divorced, I mean, and my marriage crumbled and part of it's 50-50, whatever, that's a whole, that's for next week's show. Um, <laughs> but I'll see people struggling with mental health and struggling in their situation with their spouse, and they don't talk to each other. You know, and especially men, because you're taught, well, yeah, I don't talk to my female, the females, I don't talk to I talk to, you know, I'm going to go in my cave and suffer in silence. Right. Because that's what men do. Your, your spouse is your best friend, right? they do anything for you or they should. And, and listen, you need to communicate because I'll tell you what, divorce hurts a hell of a lot more than talking to your partner about your problems. And that's, that's the, you want good kids. That's the first place to start, you know, is make sure that your relationship is strong. And your kids show and show your kids, you know, what, a, what an open communication is with a, a partner in a marriage.
1: One of the things that you brought up earlier in our conversation was the whole idea of social media not having existed when you were going through this. The internet not really being anything as we know it today. So how do you handle social media with your children?
2: Well, the way, and and I've learned the hard way myself because I'm I'm in media and I'm in sport and I'm a forward, So I've had to learn the hard way myself on a few things in social media. One is, um, the one is you, you can use social media for a weapon or you can use it for good. There's lots of good that comes out of social media, but there's people that choose to use it as a weapon. So that's up to you. And I would rather use it for good. And if you are using it for a weapon, shame on you. You need to stop. Uh, the second is is to not have any emotion tied to social media. So if you're going to tweet something or say something, it's not out of anger. It's not out of, out of hate. It's not out of, uh, you know, sadness, anything like that. Take your emotion out of anything you tweet, anything you, um, anything you talk about. Because um, that, that's usually where you get trouble. The other is, is it, it's up to the parents to monitor their, their social media. I mean, it, between the, so statistically in the U.S., between 2007 and 2017, ages 10 to 24 year olds suicide went up 56 percent. well I mean, where's social media in that where's the internet in that right right in that wheelhouse and i'm sure if you looked at canada the numbers probably aren't much different so my point being with that is is that social media is something that you, you need your kid's password you you need to know what it is you need to you need to be on their account you need to be Um, following them. They need to be following you. You know, you need to be right on. That's, it's the same as years ago, you know, when when you had to watch your kids at school and who they were hanging out with when there was no internet and all that. You need to know. You need to know who they're, what they're doing on social media. Um, And like I said, two choices. You teach them, use it as a weapon or for good. And I'd rather use it for good.
1: Absolutely. Corey, what do you want readers of your book to take away from it?
2: Ultimately that, You can go through absolute hell in your life and it gets better. You could be going through the worst of times, just get to tomorrow. Don't worry about six months from now, a year from now, just get to tomorrow and that you're not doomed to a life of of misery. You can go on to do incredible things, that there is help, there is hope, there's treatments available, but you gotta be willing to go get it and do the work.
1: Corey Hirsch, author of The Save of My Life, My Journey Out of the Dark. Thank you so much for your time, your candor, and your perspective today.
2: Well, like I said, thank you. Without you, um, you know, I don't get the platform, so I appreciate it just as much as you do.
1: And that's our time for this edition of Where Parents Talk here on 105.9 The Region. Be sure to check out the full video version of this interview or the podcast on whereparentstalk.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Leanne Castellino. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you'll join us next time.
0: Sign up for Leanne's parenting newsletter and so much more at whereparentstalk.com. This is Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region.